A reading from Exodus. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill with whole assembly with hunger. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord of God, your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread of the Lord has given you to eat. The word of the Lord. A reading from Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it is said, when it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of their ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to measure, to the measure of the full stature of Christ, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth 
in building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel today comes from the book of St. John, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 24th verse. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the, for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Do you ever feel overwhelmed when you look at the needs in this world? Do you ever look at the needs in this world, hunger, poverty, houselessness, and see that it is so great, it almost takes the wind out of you, it's, it's almost too much, it almost feels like, what's the point? A question that comes up often for me, um, especially being a pastor and, and having a church and, and being the shepherd of a church, is... How do you maintain? How do you look at need in the face like that and push through? How do you maintain when the need is so great that it feels like there is no end in sight, when your efforts feel like they are simply a drop of water in an ocean of need? Well, that's what our gospel is about today. So, if you relate to this question, if you relate to this query, this, this struggle, listen up. Um, today, as we look at our gospel, we are finding this crowd immediately following this feeding miracle where Jesus feeds 20,000 people with uh, five loaves and two fish. And so after the people have experienced this miracle, have been fed, they go looking for Jesus. And here in the story today, we have two groups of people. We have the people who are in need, the people who have experienced this miracle by being fed by this bread and fish, and then we have the people who are responding to this need, the people who help deliver the bread and the fish, Jesus, and I think most importantly, the disciples. So as we look at the people in need, thank God to all of the historians and archaeologists and anthropologists who have found uh, through their own research that um, as we are in the, the region of Galilee, at the Lake of Galilee, where this miracle happened, we know that Herod Antipas 
has been taxing this region upwards of 90% of their income so that he could build these monuments to Caesar Augustus. And so people are having all of their money taken away from them and given to the Roman Empire. These are people who are experiencing deep, deep need. They have no idea where their next meal is coming from. And then they experience this miracle of being fed, this, this, this miracle of abundance. I mean, think about that for a second. That's like being a person who is starving and stumbling across a fountain that is just pouring out food and clean water endlessly, and it's always there. Imagine being a person in need and coming across this fountain. What would you do with this fountain? Would you stay there always? Would you put a fence up around it? Would you try to uh, create weapons or something and guard it, make sure that nobody else finds this fountain? Maybe if you decide to be a, an altruistic person and, and share this fountain with, with others, would you create a colony or something that maybe with shared defense could protect this fountain so no one else takes it over? I mean, wouldn't you become consumed with this fountain if you were a person in need who had discovered it? I think I would. I'll admit that. The problem with this is that it leaves no room for community. It leaves no room for anything but being focused on this fountain of food and water. Nothing else in the world would exist. And I think for the people who are in need, the people who have experienced this miracle of abundance in Jesus, Jesus tries to point them away from simply looking at that need and this miracle and points back to himself. And when I say Jesus points to himself, I'm not saying that Jesus is pointing to himself as an object of worship. That is very important. Jesus is pointing back to himself as a way of life, a life that calls us into compassion and love and justice, all of the hallmarks that build up community. Jesus points to himself in regards to the people who are in need because he knows that people need community. These are people that have no wealth, have no resources, have no way of standing up against Rome, against this temple structure. And so Jesus points to himself as a way of realizing that their need, their struggle, is the thing that unites them. And if they can come together as Jesus calls us to, to love each other, to take care of each other, they can create community. And history shows us that that's exactly what happens People who had no way of standing up against Rome start creating such a powerful, powerful community that Christianity spreads in an unstoppable force. Now, this might feel like a romanticized way to talk about what happened, but the truth is we still see this today in our world. I, I have had the opportunity to serve the poorest neighborhoods in Juarez, Mexico, in Ensenada, Mexico, in Cairo, Illinois, in Southside, Chicago. These are communities that, that experience need to the degree that I've never seen anywhere else in all of my time doing ministry. And I will tell you, each of those communities have experienced that feeling of community better than anywhere else I've ever been. 
There's something about people coming together, united by their need, and just loving each other. In these communities that I've been a part of, that I've spent some time with, I can't begin to describe the degree of welcome and compassion and love and curiosity and authenticity. And again, it's, it's been more than anywhere else I've ever been. And somehow it always ends up being these communities that have the greatest need. Now I realize we probably can't relate to this part. We are not a community that deals with need on a daily basis. The vast majority of us know where our next meal is coming from. And if we haven't figured out what that meal is, we at least know that we can go somewhere and get it. But we can relate to the disciples in this story. We can relate to the people who are responding to that need. If you recall, before the feeding miracle happens, there's, there's two versions of it. There's the one in John, which we read last week, and, and, and Jesus invites the disciples to go to a quiet place to go away from responding to need and rest for a little while, and then that's when the crowd finds them, and then Jesus does this feeding miracle, right? In the other Gospels, the people come and they find Jesus and the disciples, but the disciples say, send these people away to go get some food somewhere. You know, let us have a moment to ourselves. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. Right? So the disciples, Jesus, they experience this idea of the need being so great that at times you just want to step back. At times it just feels too overwhelming and you have no idea which way is up. I think that gives depth to our experience as the church today called to consistently, perpetually respond to the needs of this world. When you put your heart into something, put your heart into helping out and then realize after everything you've done that that need is still there. You haven't changed it that much. And when that happens, it could be disheartening. For the folks who are involved in that, it could, it could create tensions and frustrations. And it could create burnt out, just not having the emotional or spiritual energy to go on anymore and removing yourself. And it is within this group, this one that is responding to, to, to need, that again, Jesus points back to himself. And again, not himself as an object of worship, but himself as a way of life, a way of life of, of love and empathy and compassion, of looking at the people that you are involved with and realizing that God exists in those people, that God comes to us as people who look like us and people who look different than us, people who have the experiences and come from the same backgrounds as us and people who come from very different backgrounds from us, God exists in people who come from abundance, who know where their next meal is coming from, and God exists in people who have no idea where their next meal is coming from. And God calls us into a way of life where we get to experience God's divinity, God's presence in each and every one of those people. A way of life of compassion and love and service that allows us to experience God more profoundly than in anything else we will do. 
And when we can do that, when, when Jesus points back to himself this way of life, and when that becomes our focus as we respond to need, we get the gift of encountering God in that work and encountering God in the people, the people we serve and the people we serve alongside with. We develop relationships with the people we serve and the people we serve alongside with. Relationships that are life-giving, that are eternal and everlasting. Relationships that give more depth to this life we are called to live. And suddenly, the need isn't so overwhelming. The work isn't so overwhelming and so taxing and debilitating. You are called to the work. It brings you joy to come back again and again and to experience God in the people around you. You become called to this community, this little piece of heaven. And if you need any examples of this, talk to anyone who's been working in our food distribution. Ask them not just about the people that they're working alongside with, people that they've probably known for a while. Ask them about the people that they have been feeding for the last 70 weeks. Ask them about the stories of these people, the relationships that have been created, and the joy that is present week after week in getting to see them again and asking about what's going on in their world, asking about whatever need has happened in the last week that they shared with and that was held in prayer and love. As Jesus perpetually points back to himself for us as Christians, and this is big for us because we are called, that is, that is central foundation of what it is to be a Christian, is to respond to the needs of this world. But in doing it this way, in encountering God in this work, we see how it has transformed the world with Christianity. We've seen how it has transformed our nation in, in movements like the civil rights movement. And we've seen how it's transformed this church and this community with our weekly food distribution. Bread is such a powerful example of daily need and daily struggle in our world. It's, it's a simple item to cook. You only need a couple ingredients. And yet this simple item was scarce for people in need in the time of Jesus. And I think that's why Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Because this way of life of ours that Jesus calls us to, it's not complex, it's not difficult, it's simple. Love God, love each other. That's it. Yet we become so overwhelmed by the needs of this world, the struggles of this world, we become distracted by our own comfort, our own convenience. We lose, we lose sight of this, this simple way of life that Jesus points us to. And so I pray for all of us that as, as we continue to move forward through this pandemic, as we work to getting the church back on its feet, our foundation always remains. Love God love each other. And as Jesus says, we'll never be hungry. We'll never be thirsty. Amen.